Amen. Anybody want to um, give up and stand up and give a testimony about what God's been doing lately? Anything? Go straight into prayer. That's fine. All right, then let's pray. Thank you, Father God, for this day, Lord. We thank you for you, Jesus. All those words that describe you, Lord, is just, you are indescribable. You're just an amazing God. We pray, Father God, that um, we would just tap into that a little bit further today, Lord. That starting now in this worship service, that we would come to know you more than we did before we entered. That we understand that you are a God of love. You are a holy God. You're a righteous God. You're a God that sent his son to set an example for us, to die for us, and to be raised once again to life, to give us life, and to give it to the full. I pray, Lord Jesus, that in our remaining moments here today, that we would just draw closer to you. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can you go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs. I told you we'd camp out there for the next three weeks. We'll be in chapter 9 today. But today, as we continue our series, uh, Beyond Common Sense, we already learned what wisdom is and what wisdom is not from last week. As described in the book of James we looked at last week, wisdom is pure, it's peace-loving, it's submissive, and it's full of good fruit. We also understand that wisdom is not selfish, and it's not arrogant. And if you truly want to enter into this awesome wisdom of God, then you want to pay close attention today. And the way the um, chapter 8, actually, in the book of Proverbs describes wisdom from the beginning, listen to, the, listen to these words here. It'll be up on the screen as well. In chapter 8... Starting with verse 22. It's talking about wisdom. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity. From the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place. Before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains um, of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep its command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then, this is great, listen to this, I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. 
the wisdom of God. If only we could tap in a little bit into that wisdom today. As we meditate on those verses that were just spoken, allow Francis Chan's illustration to take you deeper. It's called the awe factor. Check this out. That is the wisdom of God at work. It'd be foolish to say there is no God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Paul was so uh, taken back by this that he said in Romans eleven thirty three, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. 
in this series, we want to do as the book of Proverbs says and get wisdom. It says get understanding. Why? Because the Bible also says make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do you truly believe that? That the days are evil and that we are to make the most of every opportunity. And we're going to do that through God's wisdom. Listen to this recent article I, I read. Um, uh, I'm not making this up. This is, this is a, an upcoming reality TV show. Uh, not in the United States yet, but we'll see. This is the article. Listen to this. What happens when you put a Muslim, a Christian priest, a rabbi, and a Buddhist monk in a room with ten atheists? Sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it's really not. This is true. Turkish television station um, KNLT hopes the answer is in its rating success as it prepares to launch a game show where spiritual guides from the four faiths will seek to convert a group of non-believers. The prize for converts will be a pilgrimage to a holy site of their chosen religion, Mecca for Muslims, the Vatican for Christians, Jerusalem for Jews, and Tibet for Buddhists. Uh, the chief executive of, of KNLT said that we are giving the biggest prize in the world, the gift of belief in God. We don't approve of anyone being an atheist. God is great, and it doesn't matter which religion you believe in. The important thing is that you believe. And get this, some 200 people have already applied to take part in the game show, and 10, ten, ten contestants will be chosen next month. And this is kind of um, funny in a way. A team of theologians will ensure that the atheists are truly non-believers and are not just seeking fame or a free holiday, okay? But you think of this and it's like, are we, are we seriously doing this? Like, what a joke. Like God is treated like a vending machine or something. Like, if I'll, I'll just take this God, or I'll take this God or that God, and all of a sudden there's no fear of God anymore. And we've, we've just stuck it in another reality TV show. If we're going to truly get wisdom in this world, if we're truly going to make, uh, um, a li- have a life, live a life full of great decisions, not bad decisions, not, not uh, just good, mediocre decisions, but great decisions, then we're going to need the wisdom of God. But before you can enter into that wisdom, before you can enter through the front door of that wisdom, you've got to at least be on the porch. <laughs> and to get onto that porch... You have to do this one thing that is required. So if you would, look in your Bibles or look on the screen. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. This would just be our main verse for the day. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's a couple things we want to observe in this text so far. That, that word beginning is not the same word as the beginning in um, chapter 1, verse 7, where it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in, in chapter 9, verse 10, um, refers to as being a prerequisite. This is what has to take place before you enter the wisdom of God, to fear God. And I know when you hear the, word, when you hear the, uh, the phrase fear God, um, I know a lot of um, interpretations are already filling your minds right now in your head. Like, okay, what does it mean to fear God? We're going to answer that. When I look through, there's a ton of scripture. And if you want to get the notes from me, let me tell you, it is like a long list of scripture 
that has to do with the fear of God and wisdom. But the best I can describe the fear of God is this, okay, is to recognize your humanness while worshiping his greatness. Recognizing your humanness while worshiping his greatness. I kind of like to think of it, I kind of pictured it as a severe thunderstorm. I don't know how that, I don't know about you, but I am like a huge fan of storms. Anybody else a big fan of storms? I just, I love like the massive, hard-hitting storms, as long as they don't touch my house. Or my child or my family or anything like that. Um, or my friends or my church family or anything else. Uh, or our church. So, but, but I love storms, you know, and especially when I used to live out in the country, uh, and I had this great big porch, uh, uh, house I grew up in, it was out in the country, and you know, in Indiana, all the, well, we have is cornfields, so, so I would sit out on the front porch in the rocking chair and just see this just beautiful storm taking place. And I kind of relate the fear of God to this, is that, is that that storm is powerful, and I definitely give it respect. Uh, when it's lightning and when it's thundering, I don't walk out there with an umbrella, like in the middle of the field or by a tree, right? I, I respect it enough to know that I could get severely <laughs> damaged if I were to be struck by lightning or something like that. But at the same time, as I'm sitting on the porch and I'm gazing upon the, the lightning bolts and the thunder and, and the, the clouds and the and the, the beautiful horizon and, and the, the different colors of the sky and everything else, you sit back in awe and say, wow, what a creation. This is simply amazing. And it's hard for me. I know they tell you on TV to go hide in a shelter or something. It's hard for me because I like to just sit out there and gaze upon the beauty of the storm. And I think I relate this a lot to the fear of God, is that we recognize our humanness while worshiping his greatness. We, we recognize, you have to recognize, in order to fear God, you have to recognize that you are a sinner. You've never had a true conversion if you do not recognize you are a sinner. Otherwise, what's the need for a Savior? But if you recognize that you are a sinner, that you've broken God's commands, his laws, everything else, it's, it's amazing because uh, we, we have this grace of God, which is just incredible. If, and if you just experience that, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. At the same time, um, Paul talked a lot about in his letters, do we, do we diminish the law? Do we get rid of the law? By no means. He said, I would have known what sin was if it weren't for the law. You know, if we, if we take a look at the Ten Commandments as a mirror, it shows us how, how, how we've fallen short. And we need God's grace. We need a Savior. And he has been that, that, that uh, mediator for us between us and God to bring us to God. But we have to recognize our humanness while worshiping his greatness. Worshiping is more than just singing songs. It's also in our daily actions. It's in our daily thoughts. Worshiping his greatness. Everything that makes up God that's the closest I could come to explaining the fear of God as I look through all these verses and we're studying these verses. It's just incredible how much is on that. To recognize your humanness while worshiping his greatness. You remember Isaiah when he had the vision of God and he was in God's presence there. 
in Isaiah verse six, verse five, or chapter six, verse five, he said, <laughs> and this is Isaiah. This is a prophet, right? And we think of prophets like, man, like he is way up there, right? Check this out. He says, woe to me. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In God's presence, he's like, whoa, <laughs> I am totally disgusting. In the presence of a holy God. What about John when he was in the Lord's presence? In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, after it describes this awesome picture of God, a blazing fire coming out of his eyes and the, the white like wool and everything else, the bronze shoes and the and just the amazing appearance of God, the sword coming out of his mouth. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Incredible description. He's like, I'm not worthy. He just falls flat on his face. What about the thief on the cross? Jesus is, in the, uh, Jesus is, is uh, on the cross, and then he has a criminal on each side, a thief on each side. And one of the criminals is giving Jesus a hard time. He's like, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. Let's get out of here, right? You call yourself the Christ? But the other thief recognizes something. He starts to fear God. He understands the amazing presence of, of God, his son, Jesus Christ. So he says, the other criminal rebuked him saying, don't you fear God, he said, since you were under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, as he's turning to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's that recognition of knowing that we are human and that we need a perfect God. We need a perfect Savior. So why is fear required? Like, why is that the entry point into wisdom? Because when we don't fear God, we fall into the trap of thinking that we know what's best. How many of you here are know-it-alls? Yeah, <laughs> you actually admitted, that's great. Yeah, how many of you know-it-alls? Yeah, how many times do we, do we say that we, we, we know what's best for our life? We know the answers to everything. Well, we fall away from wisdom of God when we consistently dive into these sins because Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 describes these as pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. When we dive into those sins, there's no way we can enter in to the wisdom of God because we don't fear God. There's no fear of God in our life. And it's a dangerous thing. Um, compare this to a, a parent and a child relationship. For all you that are parents, you know this is true, that if your child is about to get into something dangerous, which happens a lot when they're around the age of two and three, right? When they're about to get into something dangerous, you're going to speak up so that they don't get hurt, right? Now, sometimes um, that hurt can, can help them understand and learn for the next time. But, but if it's something extremely dangerous, you're going to stop your child from going into that. You're going to tell them why it's important that they don't get into that. It's important that they don't stick their hand into the oven while the cookies are baking. You know, it's important that you don't stick your hand on the stove. It's, it's important 
um, that you, you don't walk into traffic without looking both ways. It's important for these things because we don't want to see, we know what's best for our child. And God looks at us at, at, at the, in the same way. He knows what's best for us in our life. But so many times we, we just want to kind of shun the voice of God so that we can do things on our own because it's more comfortable or because it's, because it's what um, satisfies our, our uh, natural desires and things like that. When God is trying to protect you from you, the fear of God will help us in that relationship. Another thing I observe in, in this, in this um, verse here is the context in which it's in, in chapter 9. It's an invitation. And there's an invitation of, of two voices. One is an invitation of wisdom, and one is an invitation of folly, of foolishness, a person who is morally def- deficient. And so we see these invitations coming, that the wisdom, um, the, the voice of wisdom is saying, come, pre- I've prepared um, um, this amazing meat for you. I've mixed the wine as it talks about. I've set the table. And then the, the, the wisdom of folly is saying, it, the wisdom of folly is kind of like your, um, your annoying uh, drunken neighbor, if any of you have any of those. It's kind of like the, the one you sit by at, at, the, at the ball game that is, uh, is the one that's so loud beside you, right? And he doesn't even know what he's screaming, but he's just screaming just to scream. Uh, a folly is screaming. It's like, it's like, come here. Come, come all who are simple. Come who, who have yet to learn. I, I want to teach you some things, right? I want to bring you into, um, into this, this, this taking in of, of stolen water that is sweet, food that is stolen. It's the best, let me tell you. Just come in. And he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. And he's just this annoying voice that you just want to get rid of. Then there's a voice of wisdom. Do we listen to the voice of wisdom? I kind of compare this to the difference between a buffet and a banquet. Now, I'm not much of a buffet fan, but I will go to them if I'm extremely hungry. But there's a difference between a buffet and a banquet. A buffet, you break out the plastic silverware, the plastic plates, everything else, right? For the banquet, you break out the fine china, the best silverware. In a buffet, you, uh, you have a quantity of food all right there in front of you. At a banquet, uh, you have the quality of food presented. In a buffet, anyone can just go up and help themselves. Actually, you're required to get up and help yourselves. But at a banquet, you are the guest of honor. And so as we enter into this fearing God into entering into this wisdom of God. God gives us this banquet. And you talk, we see this in the Gospels that, that Jesus calls those to the banquet of God. And this is this beautiful banquet where he's got the fine china out. He's got the best food prepared for us. And so each, under each of these lids, he opens up these things that satisfy our hunger for wisdom. And I'm just going to name eight of them right here. But listen to these eight things this is for those who fear God. Listen to these promises. One of them, the promise security. Proverbs 14:26 says, "He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge." Security. Do you long for security in your life? Do you run to God as your fortress? What about a content life? The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content untouched by trouble. 
Are you content with your life? What about fulfillment? Proverbs 22, 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. There's fulfillment in your life. What about happiness? Proverbs 28, 14, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. What about insight? Insight for living. Psalm 25, 12 through 14 says, Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. Listen to this. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. The Lord confides in those who fear him. So what does that tell you? If you're not fearing God, if you don't have the fear of God in your life, he's not confiding in you. If you want insight into you and to how to live the most productive, the most peaceful, the most, the most um, God-honoring life, then you're going to, um, you're going to have um, God, God's going to confide in you if you fear him. It's insight into that living. What about divine protection? Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. That's pretty awesome to think about, isn't it? Think of how many times I've been in a car wreck, which was a lot um, early on in my um, teenage years. For some reason, God was still... He still had some plans for me. Like he had um, these angels encamped around me, protecting me. The angel of the Lord. What about provision? Psalm 34, verse 9 says, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack what? What do they lack? Nothing. And there's nothing on there. I'm sorry. I thought that verse was up there. I'm like, come on, guys, you should get this. They lack nothing. They lack nothing. When we think about this, if we're going from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, guess what? You're still being provided for. You're still being provided for. God's provision. He didn't say he's going to make you just filthy rich so you can just uh, retire and, and lay out by the beach the rest of your life. Provision. What about this? This is amazing. Family blessings. Psalm 128, 1 through 4. Just listen. This is so cool. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Listen up, gentlemen. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. It's going to affect your family as well. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, leading that household. Family blessings for those who fear the Lord. So to put the fear of God into practice, we need to do two things. All right? Uh, those two things are an unrelenting desire for the mind of Christ and a despised outlook towards sin. Let's start with that one. An unrelenting desire for the mind of Christ. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5 says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, are you picturing this? 
And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It's like if I told you right now, which this isn't true, so don't get up. If there were 10, if I, if I had hidden 10 $100 bills in this sanctuary, and I told you it's free to whoever wants to just, whoever wants it. That's all you had to do. You, it was a gift to you. And like, what if you've got all 10 of you have $1,000 right there? I mean, that'd pay off something, right? How many of you would just start like searching now, right? And a lot of you aren't admitting that because we're in church, but that's okay. I know what you're thinking, all right? You would search for it, right? Because it's like hidden, it's like, wow, this could really help pay off some of my school loans, or, or wow, like I'm, I'm really needing uh, some help on my mortgage, or, what, or wow, this is really, you know, and you think about, or maybe we could really help someone else, but you think about it, and, and you think about the wisdom of God. You got to search for it like that. It's like, I'm not going to stop. I'm unrelenting in my desire for the mind of Christ. I want to think like Christ so that I may shine like Christ in a world that's desperate for him. And then number two, what about a despised outlook towards sin? See, this is an attitude and this is an action. Here's the action, a despised outlook towards sin. This pretty much sums it up for the fear of the Lord in action, Proverbs 8, 13. uh, To fear the Lord, here we go, is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Let me repeat that. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. That means in yourself, That means in others, not hating that person, but hating that sin in others and helping them. That means on TV, even if it's your favorite show. Hate it. Even if it's on the radio. Even if it's in the mall. And even if it's in your home. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. You've got to hate evil. You've got to have a despised outlook towards sin. Why? Because we serve a holy God. And because we, we, are, we are constantly wanting to, to go toward that, that um, level of, of Christ-likeness where he is increasingly transforming you. If there is no transformation taking place in your life, I'm sure it has a lot to do with there is no fear of God in your life. Because if there's a healthy fear of God in your life, you're constantly being transformed, being stretched, growing in your relationship with God and with others. So remember the banquet. Remember all those things we talked about? Think about this. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, imagine what God could do with us if we continue in that wisdom. If it's just the beginning. Imagine what God can do if we continue in this wisdom. Maybe it's a, to develop a divine vision for a new area of ministry. Maybe you're becoming a, a spiritual coach for someone else, a mentor. Maybe you could become the model parent that you always desired to be for your child. 
Maybe you'll have more clarity in your part in knowing how to serve Wendover Hills. Or maybe those lifelong dreams that God has placed in your heart will start to be fulfilled if you will fear God. Let me ask you this as I, as I close. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Allow it to motivate you to a better way of living. Living every moment for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Who would bow your heads with me? In the book of Proverbs, it also talks about the fear of the Lord and how it helps turn a man from the snares of death. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus Christ is right now. Only you know and only God knows. But the fear of God can turn you from that snare of death. It can save you from spending eternity in hell in a place of torment forever and ever. If you want to know more about the wisdom of God, if you want to know more about Jesus Christ, to start with, just plead. Just say, God, forgive me for my sins. I am a sinner. I am filthy, dirty, and I need a Savior. I can't do this life on my own. Come into my life. Change me. I don't know what this means right now, but just do an awesome work in me. I invite you to become my Savior, my everything. Take my life, Lord Jesus. Father God, we are in all of your presence, Lord. You are an amazing God. A God that we just, we can't even wrap our minds around. You're so big. Just as we viewed earlier, Lord, just the way you made the earth, the universe, the galaxies, the, I mean, there's no one that can do that but you. You are incredible. And may we just take that fear of God, Lord, to just motivate us, to motivate us to live for you, to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I know sometimes we feel like hypocrites, but Lord, we can also come back to you and ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, lead my life. That's our simple prayer today, Lord. Lead my life. Lead my family. Lead my church. Lead my school. Lead my community. Lead my state. Lead my country. Lead this world. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Before we get started with our